welcome back to Sister Brunch with me, I'm Adam. And me, Fanchon Cox. We are so glad to be back and talking to you about Black Women Plus working in the media, entertainment, and the arts. And welcome to our episode two of our series with Time's Up. I'm really still pinching myself. This is actually happening. We are talking with Time's Up on safety, power, and equity in Hollywood. And on today's show, we are focusing on the well-being of women who are not in front of the camera. This has been so important, especially we've had a lot of announcements lately about new databases and all of the grassroots databases that are in existence for hiring crew, so this is so timely. We're gonna talk about how are they protected from toxic workplace abuse. Now, today's guests are stunt woman LaFay Baker. Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> yes, and coming back to us, make sure you listen to her sister brunch episode where you get to hear her whole story. Director and first AD Sean Pipkin. Hi, everybody. <laughs> yes, I'll do quick bios and then you'll get to know them so well during our conversation today. So, LaFay Baker, if you have not heard her name, which you should have, she is recognized as the first African-American stunt woman to coordinate a big budget production. She also has over 135 credits as a stunt performer, doubling for women like Regina King, Angela Bassett. Now, Sean is a first AD and a director. In her 20 years in the industry, she's worked on shows like Grey's Anatomy, Greenleaf, and Raising Dion. And she is also an alternate on the National Committee of the Directors Guild of America. Yes! LaFay and Sean, I cannot wait to get into this with you guys today. Um, but what I'd love to just start out with is finding out from you guys a little bit about what you do. So just if you can both give us a quick summary. Pip, we'll start with you. Just tell us what you do. I am a first assistant director and transitioning to episodic and streaming director, but a first AD is on the set, is the director's basically lieutenant, right-hand person, management on the set, one of the safety facilitators of the set. And I like to say safety facilitators because there is this misconception that the first ADs are responsible for safety on set. Because first of all, I like to say that Safety is everyone's responsibility. Okay, yes. So I like right. to just say that. And what we do is that we help facilitate the studio or the production company's safety requirements and safety protocols. We are definitely not the ones responsible for safety on set. We set the schedule for the TV show and the film. We disseminate information, all kinds of things like that. Now, as a director... What does a director do? <laughs> so much. We take the words <laughs> off the page mm -hmm. and uh, create the images and stories that you see on the big and small screens. Yes. What about you, LaFay? Tell us. Well, actually, I'm a stunt corner by way of stunt performer. Been in the business for like 28 years. And basically, the stunt coordinator helps execute the director's vision and make sure the actors are safe on the set and that the stunt is performed in a safe manner so the production can go on and we can have a nice action-oriented sequence. We also break down the budget, you know, bring in the right talent, the doubles, you know, do location scouts. We're actually the director's best friend when it comes to the action sequence scenes. And it's very few black women, one mm -hmm. out of two, that are now mm. stunt coordinators. My first show was Sister, Sister, 
as a coordinator and then introducing Dorothy Dandridge was the highlight of the pivot of my career you know it was like oh my god working with Hallie was really amazing so because she wanted all women in key positions so it was really a great experience and I really appreciate it for that and especially now things are really changing for women yes LaFave do you mind just telling us a little bit about how you ended up doing this work oh actually my background is in gymnastics high school college gymnastics was my thing so I actually was working as a probation officer, believe it or not. I just resigned from that. I was able to have two dual careers while I was doing stunts. So a probation officer walked up to me and said, you ought to be a stunt woman. I was like, you are so crazy. I don't have to jump up. Nobody's building, whatever. Because I didn't know, you know, I'm an inner city, you know, young lady. I didn't know anything about the entertainment business per se. And every time we would come to our work location, he would just say, oh, I need you to meet somebody. I was like, oh my God, this guy just getting on my nerves. And then next thing I know, I met another stunt man. One of my girlfriends dating a camera guy. And he invited all of us to Gladstones. And the guy was talking about it. And then after that, I got a promotion and probation. And one of the guys there, his best friend was a stunt coordinator. He was training his son. So I started training with Greg Elam and Dolphin Park. You know, it was the big time black stunt coordinator at the time. And one thing led to another. And actually, my first gig was on location, on Heat of the Night. I'm just like, wow. a blessing. That just doesn't happen to anyone. And at the time, there weren't that many black women in the business. I think the two black girls who were really, one kind of like moved over to surfing, and the other one had broken her back on a job, so she really wasn't doing it. So it was about opportunity and timing for when I got in the business. And then at that time, there weren't that many roles. Actually, action for black women. Mm-hmm. Now there's so many roles that we have more action and we have a lot of talented young girls. So I feel it's time for me to pursue and move on to further my career as a stunt coordinator because yeah. the body don't really like to hit the ground and recover <laughs> like it used to. You know what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. <laughs> we understand. <laughs> I love that. I just want to put it out there, especially for young women, younger girls who might be listening to the podcast. That thing that you're interested in could lead you into a career in the entertainment industry. There are lots of different ways to enter and then rise up all the way into coordinating, being the person who's actually making sure the other stunt performers are safe on set. Hey, Sister Brunch family, please don't forget to visit the timesupfoundation.org website. You can find out all about their work and how to follow them on social. You can also follow us on Instagram at Sister Brunch Podcast. And we're on Twitter too at Sister Brunch and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Sister Brunch Podcast. Oh, and also please, please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review our show wherever you listen to your podcasts. And do it now. Do it as soon as you listen, finish listening to this episode. Why not? LaFave, do you want to talk a little bit about your role in physical safety and also emotional safety on the set with those around you, those you're responsible with, especially as a coordinator? Well, actually, as a coordinator, you want to make sure that your double or the person that's working feels really comfortable with exactly what they're doing. And training it by far is the most important thing whenever you're doing stunts and being athletically inclined and agile. And also making sure that your actor's safe. A lot of times when you come on, you we have to mimic the actress. And I want to make sure that I bring in somebody that looks or resembles close enough to the actual the body type. Now we can get away with the hair and the face because the wigs and all because we're shooting from behind. But it's really important that I bring in the right person to look like the actors and they can actually execute the stunt as well and then make everyone look really good because our it's our responsibility to make sure 
the actress always looks the best in whatever scene. But when I got in the business, like, don't talk to the actor, don't talk to the producer, don't do this. Just watch and emulate mm. the individual. So as a coordinator, I try to come in and pick the best person I feel that has the best skills that can pull off actually the stunt that the director actually wants. How do you take care of actors that have to do the stunt? Right now, I just recently finished working on Family Reunion. And basically, they wanted most of the actors to do their own thing. So I bring in my pads and everything. There's certain ways that you can shoot certain things to make it look as if the actor's actually doing everything, but usually bring in a stunt double. The most difficult thing, you're going to definitely have a stunt double come in because you don't want to have a situation where they have to shut down production where the actress gets hurt and everybody has to go home. Are there things that you do to help like the actor feel safe physically and emotionally stepping into those kind of things? Well, you know, you always want to contact the, their manager, whoever, find out how they feel about actually doing the stunt. Sometimes they feel comfortable and sometimes they don't. And if you feel comfortable, let me know. But I have pads available for you. But if you don't feel comfortable, you know, we have someone here who can actually help you and assist you. And a lot of times, even if the actor's doing their own stunt, you have that stunt double there to make sure to have her eye to make sure she's doing everything right. Sometimes everyone can't see everything. So it's the responsibility of the stunt coordinator, make sure there's a stunt double there to make sure that the actor's safe. Most times, African-Americans come in to double. That means that you're gonna double the actress. But there's something called nondescript. Nondescript means that you're running from a building. Anybody can be that particular gender, ethnicity, or whatever. Then you have a utility stunt performer. That means you can be on a show working on location and you can play any roles where you may be assisting the coordinator, actually the day of, of the physical activity, or you're just filling in to do certain things that somebody else couldn't do at that time. But like I said, specifically, black women were coming in for just doubling. And if you're a utility performer, you can be on the set for months through the whole duration. And now with COVID, they're actually having people more on contracts for the longevity of the, for the shows to prevent people trying to catch anything or whatever, any losses. And then we have the riggers. The riggers are the stop person's best friend because they're going to rig everything. You want to make sure the rigging, whether it's wire work, whether it's car work, you want to make sure those riggers are on top. So you want to make sure those actors are, you know, actually safe. You know, I just try to make the actors comfortable by talking with them because it's your responsibility to sure reassure them that they're going to be okay. You're not going to get hurt. This is how I'm going to do it. You kind of like break it down little by little exactly how it's going to be performed. Thank you, LaFay. And Sean, you as a first AD and obviously also as a director, you're thinking about all of those roles. So can you talk about that? And then also, do you have any stories of times that might have surprised you or that you know could have gone differently? I have a situation. I was on a show where, and I, I've noticed this happens with a lot of indie directors, you know, because it's about realism, right? Indie, like, oh no, I want that real. I want the practicality and things. And there was a situation where actor was getting beaten up, like literally kicking the crap out of this person on the ground and kicking and kicking and kicking. And I was like, okay, so we're going to double that actor that's getting his ass beat, right? Mm -hmm. And everything. And, and the director was like, no, 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 I want it to be the real thing. And I was oh. like, excuse me? And I remember I looked at the stunt coordinator, you know, we kind of like, mm -hmm, you know, just let a situation play out. Because a lot of times, like, you know, eventually it's okay. going to come around. Okay. And so I didn't, you know, I didn't say anything. And I was like, okay, I know the stunt coordinator is going to say, well, I don't know if you really want, you know, the actor to be down there literally getting kicked or whatever. Mm. And then the closer and closer we got, 
it did it hadn't changed yet and i was like oh we're just gonna well how are we doing this again oh we're just gonna put pads in the front and the back of this actor and literally i was like what okay rating stunt coordinator come on come on like you know like you have to say say something something. like we have to have a stunt double and the stunt coordinator's like no it's gonna be fine i'm gonna talk to my guys and i was just like okay Mm. And I remember thinking to myself, what well, the stunt coordinator's not saying anything, am I just being a little too right. overprotective or whatever? And did you talk I to the bet cast? you had a conversation with that cast member? Well, I, I did. And I was like, How are you feeling about this? Yes. And he's like, you know, oh no, I'm fine. I have my pads on and everything. Mm. And like, like that's okay. the, the AD job. It's like you're making sure mentally and physically that these people, I mean, they're adults, right? You're depending on everyone to be professional. Right. But they're in the, they're in a stressful situation. They need to know that they're going to be safe and comfortable. And that's what you two do. And I can imagine that if you see a black woman that's the stunt coordinator, you might have felt a little more comfortable, right? Like LeFay to, to go up and say, could we talk? And let me just in- reiterate on a couple of things. What happens is the coordinator, if you're new, they want to make sure that they stay in grace with the producer or the UPM or whatever. But right. with me, I'm going to have to let them know because if someone gets hurt, that means my name is going to be out you. there. Yes. It's on me. And then being a black female, mm. it's even harder because they kind of put the pedal down if you make a mistake. So right. I want to make sure I'm the aggressive one. I want you guys to know um, I'm going to speak up, you know, and I'm just, I got to have the best people to do whatever I need because mm. my name is on the line. And, if the director's uncomfortable with it, I have to tell the producers it's not cool. This is Sister Brunch with Banshee Cox and Anya Adams. Stay tuned for more of our conversation with LaFay Baker and Sean Pipkin. Here is more of our conversation with Hollywood stuntwoman LaFaye Baker and director, first AD, Sean Pipkin. I have to have these conversations in development meetings about hierarchy. First of all, hierarchy is a problem, right? That book, Outlier, these South Korean pilots and assistant pilots, they were studying why the planes were crashing. And it was because the co-pilot, I think assistant pilot, because of their hierarchy system, couldn't tell the pilot that they were crashing. So they would listen to the black box, but because they could not tell their superior that they were crashing, that they would crash instead of telling them. And Hollywood is so like that. That's why this safety conversation is important because if you're not listening to the person that you've hired to keep your set safe, what are you doing? Yeah. Yes. You know? Well, you know, they're just really concerned about getting the scene. In right. Sometimes directors don't really think about it. They just know what they have on paper. This is their vision. I want it this way. If you think about it, when you have a production meeting, they don't even think about the stunt, bringing a stunt coordinator at the beginning of production. They only mm-hmm. think about, oh, we're shooting. We got to bring in a court. Oh, there's a stunt. What are we going to do? What's going mm-hmm. on? Because they need to bring the stunt coordinator for the very first production, have the script. If there's even a step off the curve, because you can twist your ankle and then production is closed. So it's time for them to understand that stunt coordinators are very important at the beginning, just like the producer director, when you have your table reason, those people need to be there at all times because they can look at the script and see where there's an action, where the possibility of something could arise. So that's why it's very important to 
bring them in at an early stage in the um, production or the development stages. Well, Faye, like in the situation that I brought up where I really thought that the stunt coordinator was going to tell the director, no, we need to have a stunt double. And I'm thinking just for a cheap insurance, just have a stunt mm -hmm. double just in case, you know, yeah, plan on doing the scene with the real actor. But if something does go sideways or whatever, hey, guess what? We have the stunt double that looks like. And what ended up happening is the people that were beating up, they were stunt people. But the person that was getting beat was the actor. So what happened psychologically, these stunt people knew that if they hurt this actor, mm -hmm. their career is over. over. So what happened? You could tell that they were pulling their it. kicks. You could yep. tell yep. that they were not of punching. Course. And it was like, we got to go again. I'm not seeing it. And then I was <laughs> like, I know why this is happening. Mm. Right. These men do not want to ruin their career saying that mm. they broke an actor's ribs. Mm. And if it was a stunt double, they would kick the shit out of another stunt person because that's mm. just a job. LaFayette, you tell me, because if it was another stunt person, they know that they can go wild. They'll know how to protect themselves. I don't know. What okay. do you... Well, no, no. We still exercise safety, too. We don't want the stunt people to get injured because that's a cost us also. But <laughs> yes. we also yes. want to make sure that the actor is comfortable at all times. So it's just important that a coordinator steps in and makes sure that they have the right person. I would always have a double on the side just in case, but you never want to get your actors into a fight scene anyways, because what if a, something just happens and he gets punched in the nose? You know, you don't ever want to do that. You always want to have a fight scene, choreographed off the scene, regardless of what the director wants, you definitely have to stand up for it and say this is how it has to be done because we got to carry on the show. It's just a way of saying or articulating to the director and the production, pulling somebody to the side, hey, this is the deal. I'm not feeling comfortable. You know, I know we have the stunt doubles because if a stunt person gets hurt, they can easily replace that stunt double with another person. So it's best to have a stunt double versus having the actress or actor get hurt because you can replace them. Production doesn't get shut down. You guys both, your jobs touch on emotional safety. We've been talking about physical safety, but emotional safety, especially for women in the workspace, it keeps coming to my mind. Like when I started in this industry, I was a trainee and I remember being on a stripper set and mm. all the girls had like little pieces of tape over the vaginas. Mm. There was no coordinator there. Intimacy like, coordinator. Sure they right. were fine or whatever. It was just like this free for all. And then as I've moved through this time, like the introduction of the intimacy coordinator and also like really taking time to make sure people feel safe doing what they're doing on the set. So I'm wondering if you guys have seen or feel that with yourselves now in the industry, how emotional safety has changed since you started or? Well, you know, we all know that the casting couch exists, okay? Sometimes women are really fearful of you not know, being who they are because they want to do whatever the coordinator, whoever they're dealing with, whatever, to make some situations happen. And, you know, I've been in a situation when I first got into business where now I would have a good case because people will try to blackball you if you do not actually play the game. I didn't play the game because when I got in the business, I already had my SAG car and I had enough job. So I didn't really have to play the game, but, and I don't fault anybody, you know, you have to get in where you fit in. And I just had to do what was best for me. And that worked. And with that, you know, you're going to have naysayers and you're not doing what other people are doing, but you have to stand 
firm because sometimes you become vulnerable and you may give in. With me, that didn't happen. I'm from the inner city, so Los Angeles, and being around entertainment and the celebrities, it wasn't like I was fascinated and I just had to do something. I kind of like got bit by the bug at an early age and knew about entertainment somewhat, mm. but I didn't know about stunts. I just knew maybe I could do something. I don't know, whatever, something. So I kind of like knew the business a little bit and I just kind of like did it my way. So with the advent of more female coordinators has promotional safety for female stunt performers increased. Cause you're talking about there was a little bit of power tripping happening with these male stunt coordinators. I think it's changed a lot because of the Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby. A lot of stuff is about more awareness too and time's up. It's bringing a lot of awareness, but I think female stunt courts, we're going to actually bring a diverse group of people in. We're not going to just think about our friends. Plus we have a different feel. I think we can look at things in a different perspective overall on the set and kind of like maneuver. We have a certain type of tactic to how we maneuver women as a whole, how we relate with certain things that sometimes people like to have a female on the set. Things are really changing and now they have to accept us, you know, because Everybody's asking for diversity and women. Black women are the thing now. And look, I'm really happy with where I am now and all the lists that they have. You know, even the Ray, Ray Coolis, I'm really happy to be a part of that. You know, all the things that, that are Ray happening TC for black list. women. All that. So, so many. Yeah, so yep. that's cool. mm -hmm. What about you, Pip? I don't know if you've sensed the change in it since you started, your responsibility, or how safer or less safe people feel but also maybe, you know, talk about your experience with that a bit. Yes, I will say that, you know, emotional safety is, and mental safety, it's so important, because you're right, like there's been so much concentration and emphasis on safety since, you know, the Twilight Zone accident that happened over 20 years ago, since the Midnight Rider accident that happened seven years ago. Obviously, I was not on the film set, and there obviously has been a lot of criminal court cases and everything about it, so I will say, allegedly, a lot of things happen because they're still ongoing mm -hmm. things, but apparently there was a movie called Midnight Rider, and it's based on, I think, is the Almond Brothers, or one of the Almond Brothers mm -hmm. filming in Georgia. Georgia. There's a lot of conflicting stories here. So all I will say is that they were on a train track and it was one of the, is it called Trussell? It's a bridge. There was a little river underneath mm -hmm. and there was a wrought iron bed that was actually on the train track. Yeah, you know, and again, this is just reports, news stories yes. I've heard. Yes. Apparently a train came through. Like there was crew on the track with on the crew, track. camera mm -hmm. crew, hair makeup. The woman who died was a camera assistant, originally from Charleston, South Carolina. And then also a hairstylist got very seriously injured on top of it. And so I guess when everybody realized that the train was coming, instead of... Like most humans would just try to save themselves and leave. Right. This young woman went to try to save some camera equipment, apparently. Which leads us back to that issue of hierarchy, right? When you are seeing your set pieces as more important or people on your set feeling the pressure that those are more important than the human beings on your sets, that's something that all of Hollywood needs to systemically change is the way that we look at human beings, the way we treat human beings and not on this hierarchy, but every single person on the set is valuable and should be valued and respected and made to feel safe. 
it's Anya, and you're listening to Sister Brunch. We'll be right back. And if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at Sister Brunch. Welcome back to Sister Brunch. I'm Fanchon. Let's get back into this conversation with LaFaye Baker and Sean Pipkin. If someone is on a set and they are feeling unsafe, what do you both recommend that they do? Well, I personally would say if there's someone, I would go to either first AD, assistant director, someone in the assistant director department, or go to the unit production manager or a producer. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that I would physically go to, but every film company, every shoot has a safety hotline where you can also anonymously call in. Mm -hmm. Every studio has it, or they should, majority of them do, where you can call in if you do see something. If you don't want to say anything in person, which I do get, like some people don't want to be the whistleblower, Mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't want to be the one. I don't want people to think that I'm being a crybaby or a tattletale or whatever. So you have that safety hotline. So either one, and this goes to like physical safety, this goes to harassment, sexual harassment, all of that, because all of that is ultimately the same. You know what I mean? Like I know that that accident that happened on Midnight Rider was very traumatic and it really did wake a lot of people up Mm -hmm. and it really shook the table and everyone's like, we have to get this under control. But there is also that emotional component as well. You know, when someone does feel comfortable, because sometimes film sets are like high school. Like Mm -hmm. you have your bullies, you know what I mean? You have your cliques, you know? And people don't think that like, oh, that doesn't mean anything. We're all adults here. But there are really people affected by that stuff. Like there are, I mean, and people, you know, sexual harassment, yeah, that's one thing. But there is also regular harassment that happens a lot of times. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like bullying, you know what I mean? Bullying, bullying, right. That affects people's psyche. That affects people's work. And that is something that really has to be addressed. You hear all these stories mm-hmm. about how there are these ADs or directors who pick fights with departments or department heads just to do it, just to mm-hmm. like set an example. And it's like, why would you do that? Right. You know what I, I mean? Respect. Like, mm-hmm. cause you want to show people that you're In the big man on campus. Mm-hmm. Hey, isn't the DGA working on having a racism hotline? There is a DGA racism hotline. Myra Campo is now the new head of diversity at the Guild. It's basically her office line. We'll have that phone number up on our website. So if you go to the link for this episode, we'll make sure the number's there. And we have to mention Time's Up work in this too, right? The Time's Up, especially with their legal defense fund. You have support now in ways that you never have. So in all these cases, there are places to go. And LaFay, I know you wanted to say also just where can someone go if they're not feeling safe, especially a stunt person, a stunt performer? Well, of course, SAG after does have a hotline for any that's, you know, for any type of sex harassment, you can call in anonymously and, you know, talk about it or whatever. And they'll actually investigate and get somebody out there, you know, find out what's going on. That's what they've been doing. They also have now a new task force to monitor and make sure that black people are actually getting their roles, you know, because they're taking money away from black people when you have another person come in and double somebody else because we need to get paid and we need to pay our bills and we need to make that insurance. So that's pretty much what's really important as well. 
Mm. Well, Lafay, I'm thinking about you so much and what you've done over the years and how much looking at the opportunities for stunt performers makes the systemic racism so clear because for a stunt performer, because you have to look like the actor and because there are not enough roles for black actors, then there are not enough jobs for stunt performers, right? Because they've limited us in terms of representing us as a people. And so in that case, I'm assuming, did folks do blackface like for stunt performers in order to give a job to a white stunt performer? Black hands, black, they do that? They, they've been doing that for years. Don't tell but, me it's still going down because we need oh, to get right. on Twitter. I've done so many different articles now about this paint down. This wow. is something like, you can't paint me up, but you can paint somebody right. else down and exactly. take a job from me or whatever. Exactly. So give the black person the opportunity to work there. At this point, there's no reason why you should paint down a black. We have so many new talented girls. Oh, my God. These girls yes. are freaking amazing. Like When I got in the business, we didn't have that many women, black women, or many mm-hmm. actresses. And that many stunt women. And we didn't have the roles. They weren't giving us any roles. So you had to really come in for double. But now it's different. Okay. There's absolutely no excuse. If they don't know someone, then one of us black people got to know somebody that can do the stunt or whatever. So they could call us. And I think there's a young lady, stunt people of color. She has a whole list of the stuff people or whatever. And she's a sister. She created it. It's good for people to utilize their resources. But there's also stunts availability where you can always, like say for instance, I was looking for somebody that was a skateboarding queen. So we yes. had to find somebody. So I found somebody, but none of the stunt girls had a specialty for that. So sometimes what they had to do is go outside, tag mm-hmm. hardly the person as a specialist at what you would do that for anybody else. Or say, for instance, if you need a driver and you feel that the actors want this particular, go and make sure that person goes out and trains with that company to get the job. Don't just bring mm-hmm. somebody, oh, we don't have that. They don't, they're not talented. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have mm-hmm. one person. She's the best driver. Well, she's going to continue to be the best driver. She keep doing the same job, all the jobs. Nobody else is going to have the opportunity. So you got to right. figure out what, you know, how are you going to make sure? I think SAG after is trying to create some training programs. And I don't know if you guys are aware of this, that I had created something called the Ashton Icon Stunt Women Conference Awards. So it was a conference where, and I did it for seven years, and I would bring in stunt coordinators, and they would talk about how to break down an action script, how to do a budget, set etiquette. Great. I really wanted women to start thinking outside the box how mm. to be a stunt coordinator because I figured women weren't coordinating. This is Sister Brunch with Fanchon Cox and Anya Adams. Stay tuned for more of our conversation with LaFay Baker and Sean Pipkin. Hollywood stuntwoman LaFay Baker and director First AD Sean Pipkin. We have talked a lot about like kind of the individual situations, right? Where you're on set and what can you do? Sean, what can we do systemically? Either what is going down or what could we do to change the entire system around safety? Yeah, that's a, that is a lot because there is, you know, even though it's against the law and the rules, there is a lot of retaliation. What I think is that it doesn't always have to happen to you. You know, right from wrong. If you see somebody Mm -hmm. else 
being harassed, sexually harassed, or somebody else may be in danger for safety. We are each other's keeper. We are a brother's keeper. Yes. And I think we really need to be more cognizant of that. Like we have to take care of each other. We can't just always think about ourselves. I think there really needs to be some type of mechanism. And I, I wish I had the answer, but like literally against retaliation. I have seen mm. it. I have experienced it mm. when I have spoken up. And usually, guys, it hasn't even been about for myself. It's been for other people. Right. When I have yeah. seen wrongdoing or someone being harassed or someone coming up to me, you know, and also as one of the managers on the set, people do come to me, but I have a legal obligation to kick it up. Yes. I have yes. to kick it up to the unit production manager or one of the producers. You can't hold it in and try to fix it yourself. Right. You cannot, even though you think that like, oh, I, you know, I got this. Let me talk to this. Somebody. No, you cannot do it. It mm. has to get kicked up. So I think that people just need to feel safe in order for me to report something wrong. I need assurance that nothing is going to happen to me. Mm. Like I'm not going to lose my job or I'm not going to get harassed or bullied even more. Yeah. If I speak up and say something and I just think about all these stories and I hate to harp on him, but Harvey Weinstein, yes. everybody knew what this man everybody was doing knew. for decades. Everybody knew. Yep. This man has ruined people's careers. Yeah. It was reported that Peter Jackson, he wanted to do a project with Daryl Hannah and her last project was with Harvey Weinstein. Mm. He calls Harvey Weinstein and Harvey Weinstein says, oh man, she's trouble. She's crazy. And he literally says like, oh my God, now thinking about that, I should have done more research. Mm. I took his word for it. Why mm. did he say that? She said no to him. Exactly. exactly. That happens to so many people in our industry. They stick yeah. up for themselves and their careers get ruined for just having integrity or trying to stay safe. Yeah. And it's really, really wrong. And yep. you see, like, there's people that put up with so much to get their career at a certain place. They mm. put up with so much. Mm. That's what has to change. People need choices and options. And that, to me, is a privilege. There are so many people that do not have the privilege to have choices or options. Right. Because, listen, if you know that you can get another job next week, or if you mm. know, guess what? I can leave this job and my mortgage and rent is going to mm -hmm. be paid for the next three months. Mm -hmm. I will leave that situation. Mm -hmm. So many people do not have options and choices and they are stuck in these very toxic yes. and dangerous situations. We need more options. And again, people of color don't usually have many options. So therefore nope. they have to take that abuse or they mm. feel they have to take that abuse. Cause in my opinion, you don't have to take any abuse, mm. but mm. they feel that they have because they don't have options and choices. Yep. So it is mm. really a systemic thing. And there's a lot of work we all have to do. And it starts with opening people's minds and putting a spotlight on this. Cause a lot of people don't really understand because they're not in our shoes. You know, like mm -hmm. there are a lot of, people that aren't in a black woman's shoes, they don't get what we right. go through every right. day. Right. Like I have this conversation on many sets where I was like, I am a black woman in America. I am used to all of this crap. Right. Like, do you think do I got to this level without, without putting it. up with so much, you know, right. do you think life was easy for me? Like you mm. think life was easy? Cause I'm at this level. No, Right. I took a lot of crap.
I mean, I think we create situations for ourselves that are unsafe because we are trying to navigate within this world that's been yes. created. Like, because I know right. I also feel like I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to be a fucking quitter. I'm, you know, I'm going to stay here. And mm. I feel like that, like, fight to get to where you are and then to see that people take care of themselves in other ethnic spaces. They take care of themselves differently than we do because we're constantly fighting to get to the place that we want to be. I'll just say quickly, this is why I loved our interview with Monifa. She comes out of the organizing world, out of the grassroots world. And crew, especially below the line, these are grassroots folks, always, right? So these are the folks who are always threatened in terms of having to keep the job just to be able to survive. And so systemically for me, I'm always looking at how do we strengthen the grassroots? So when we see A-listers doing anything, and that goes for the inclusion rider, and I'm proud of it, but it relied initially on the A-listers. We're really trying to expand it to say, no, you know, this isn't just for A-listers. This is for the gaffer's assistant. This is for the PA on set that can say, this is important to me. And so I think it is really us unifying those of us in those positions and those of us in the privileged positions, you know, really unifying with those that don't have those voices to say, we're going to speak up for you on set. That's certainly what Time's Up is doing. And they didn't pay us to say that, by the way, we ain't getting paid for this podcast. So (laughs) we just saying we appreciate we have these support systems now. We need to focus on the grassroots folks like that is where that effortless and not to mention i'm sorry i'm sure you all have noticed this too the integrity always seems to be so much stronger in the grassroots (laughs) absolutely absolutely facts Mm -hmm. fashion like Mm -hmm. integrity 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 there are many people who their integrity is not that strong yeah and therefore you see they allow they enable those who are in the positions of power in hollywood that was attractive that was charismatic in the best of ways even politically we have people like aoc that's changing that within the government and we can change that within hollywood right we can look at the folks who are doing that and support them and be that you know be unified with them Lafay, it's such an honor to have oh, you really? on the oh, show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be talking about stunt coordinators because, you know, people don't know we're out there. And I just think we, like I said, it's only one or two that are out there that are qualified. And we yes. have one in Canada who is amazing. So, yeah. We will be lifting y'all up everywhere we can. Sean, as always, we are so grateful for everything you do. Come back anytime. Yes. <laughs> um, and Sean, yes. I'm looking to work with you, girl. What's up? Yes. I know. Yes. <laughs> yes, please. Yes, yes please. Make yes. it happen. We we'll definitely have to work together. And I just like to thank Time's Up. It's, you know, very important work. A lot of work to do, but let's do it. Let's get it. for listening to Sister Brunch with me, Anya Adams, and Fanja Cox. That was our conversation with LaFay Baker and Sean Pipkin. Visit sisterbrunch.com to find out more about them and their projects. This episode was created in partnership with the Time's Up Foundation. Our show producer is Brittany Turner. Our executive producer is Cristobal and Siabuane. We acknowledge that the land we record our podcast on is the original land of the Tongva people for those of us in Los Angeles. And the Anish Nabek, Hodi Nashoni, Chippewa, Wendet, 
Inuit, and Métis for those of us residing in Toronto with Anya. Can't wait to see you next time. Take care.